Okay, I'm going to be um, doing the Bible reading now. We're going to watch it along to a little clip there. Uh, The reading today is taken from Acts chapter 9, verses 1 to 20, and I will be reading from the International Children's Bible. There once was a man named Saul, and he lived in the city of Jerusalem. Saul was a young Pharisee who studied the scriptures and strictly obeyed the laws. Because of this, Saul was trying to frighten the followers of the Lord by saying he would kill them. So he went to the high priest and asked him to write letters to the synagogues in the city of Damascus. Saul wanted the high priest to give him the authority to find people in Damascus who were followers of Christ's way. If he found any there, men or women, he would arrest them and bring them back to Jerusalem. So Saul went to Damascus. As he came near the city, a bright light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Saul fell to the ground. He heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you doing these things against me? Saul said, Who are you, Lord? The voice answered, I am Jesus. I am the one you are trying to hurt. Get up now and go into the city. Someone there will tell you what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there, but they said nothing. They heard the voice, but they saw no one. Saul got up from the ground. He opened his eyes, but he could not see. So the men with Saul took his hand and led him into Damascus. For three days, Saul could not see, and he did not eat or drink. There was a follower of Jesus in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to Ananias in a vision. Ananias! Ananias answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight Street. Find the house of Judas. Ask for a man named Saul from the city of Tarsus. He is there now, praying. Saul has seen a vision. In it, a man named Ananias comes to him and lays his hands on him. Then he sees again. But Ananias answered, Lord, many people have told me of this man and the terrible things he did to your people in Jerusalem. Now he has come here to Damascus. The leading priests have given him the power to arrest everyone who worships you. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, I have chosen Saul for an important work. He must tell about me to non-Jews, kings, and the people of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So Ananias went to the house of Judas. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus sent me. He is the one you saw on the road on your way here. He sent me so that you can see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something that looked like fish scales fell from Saul's eyes. He was able to see again. He got up and was baptized. After eating some food, his strength returned. Saul stayed with the followers of Jesus in Damascus for a few days. Soon he began to preach about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, Jesus is the Son of God. There we pray. Lord God, we uh, pray this morning as I come to speak that these be your words, that these be impactful to our lives. 
We pray that we will have uh, hearts that are open and ears to hear. Um, we ask that in your name. Amen. Um, it's wonderful to have the privilege of being up in front of you all this morning um, to talk about this amazing story um, of Saul's conversion. Um, I think that the conversion of Saul is probably one of the most breathtaking biblical examples of God's grace um, in the Bible. Here was a man in Saul who wanted nothing to do with Jesus. He didn't want to be told about Jesus. He didn't want to hear people talking about Jesus. Um, And he, in fact, actually wanted to actively um, hunt down, imprison, and even kill um, those that wanted to follow Jesus. Um, Saul was not the nicest of men. Um, He was there. He was present at the stoning of Stephen. Um, He did nothing to stop them. He actively encouraged them in what they were doing. He went out of his way to go to the chief priests and the religious leaders of the day to effectively ask their permission to go out from Jerusalem to find new Christians and to bring them back in chains and to imprison them. Whether this was because he wanted to protect his own beliefs, because he was scared of the new religion that had come to the land and wanted to get rid of it, or whether it was because he felt that by doing this he could gain personal standing with the Pharisees, he could elevate his own level of power and importance. Um, For whatever reason he chose to do this, um, he was of great, uh, great threat to all Christians. So he was not a nice man. He was not a man, if you were a Christian, you'd want to bump into down a dark alley at night, or even one in the daytime. Yet, despite this, God chose to meet with him. Saul's experience of God was big, it was sudden, it was loud. There was bright light with the audible voice of Jesus. And it was a personal meeting with Jesus, one that even Saul could not deny. It was so powerful that in that one moment, his life was transformed. Everything he knew turned on, his he- on its head in an instant, and everything was changed. He was a man seeking after power, relying on his own strength, and despising Christians. And suddenly he was left blind, having to rely on others to get him to safety in Damascus, and even eventually having to rely on Christians to put him back together. His transformation is an event that you can only describe truly as a miracle. He was a man that was now used by God as Paul to spread the good news of Jesus amongst the Gentiles, amongst the nations. He encouraged and trained much of the early church. And through his letters in the Bible today, he encourages and trains us as well as we read our Bible and dive into the scriptures. Through the transformation that God put in him, he became an amazing servant for the Lord. Now, Saul's conversion shows us that God's plans might not always make sense to us. I mean, if you were back then and you knew Saul, he's probably the last person you'd have thought that God would use to go and spread his message. But we can have great confidence and faith that God knows what he's doing. And we can look back and see the results of Saul's conversion. And we can see that he did some amazing things. So we can trust in God. It's also really important because it shows that absolutely nobody is beyond God's grace. God's grace is for absolutely everybody, no matter who you are or what you've done. And Jesus came for all people. And when he said all people, he meant all people, no exceptions. Now, most of us here this morning would probably say that we have not had an experience just like Saul's. We haven't been left blind for several days and heard the audible voice of Jesus. 
Some of us might have, and that's amazing. Um, But many of us have not had that sort of conversion experience. But many of us here have made a choice. Whether that's been based on our personal experience of Jesus' work in our lives or the lives of our families, or based on our, um, on our research when we're looking into the Bible um, and trying to find out more, we've come to make a choice that Jesus is who he said he was and that it's worth following him. Some of us could even put a, probably put a date on the exact day that we made that choice. I personally can't put a date on that choice. For me, it's been more of an organic process. Um, I've been brought up in a Christian family and I've known something of Jesus my whole life. Um, And it's been a long process of me coming to know Jesus myself through those years. There's sort of a hazy time one summer uh, when I was a a young youth that I would say I made the choice to follow Jesus myself, but there's no fixed date for me. Either way, however we've come to that choice, we have had a conversion experience if we have chosen to follow Jesus. If we've not yet made the choice to follow Jesus in our life, if we've not yet had that conversion experience, I think the most important thing we can take away from this account of Saul is that Jesus is for you. And if you start looking into who Jesus is and what he's done in people's lives, you might be surprised as to what you find. Now for those of us that would say that we are already Christians, that we've already had that conversion experience, the story of Saul, as amazing as it is, might not seem that applicable to where we are in our lives at the moment. So we can look somewhere else in this verse. We can look to Ananias. Here is a Christian living in the city of Damascus. Um, he's already been converted. He'd had, he's had his conversion experience. And I very much doubt it was the same as Saul's. I would imagine much more that it was through seeing the works of Jesus in Jerusalem, through seeing the disciples, he'd come to make that choice to follow Jesus. Uh, now he was probably happy in Damascus, living his Christian life, and then going about his business and what happens is God asks him to do something God calls him and Ananias says okay now if I was Ananias and I heard what God was asking me to do I might well have legged it out the door and ran away because Ananias was asked by God to go to Saul and to pray with him now Ananias would definitely have known who Saul was Any Christians in this area at the time knew who Saul was. Saul was bad news. Saul, if you met him, it was likely you were going to jail or worse. So if I was Ananias, I might well have run. But Ananias has another kind of conversion. His faith transforms from one where he is a comfortable Christian just going about his normal life to one where he becomes a true disciple of Jesus. One where he steps out in his faith and goes to somewhere that might cost him his life because God's asked him to. He makes the choice to put the effort in and take the leap, despite the potential danger that is there. Now, in all of our lives as Christians, we can just go to church on a Sunday morning, and then we can go into our week and go about our business as if nothing has changed in our lives. Are we comfortable Christians? Do we need another conversion experience in each of our lives? to get up and go outside of this church building and to share our faith with others in the world, to carry out the work of the Great Commission that Jesus gave us, to go and make disciples of all nations? Do we talk to our friends, to our families, to our colleagues at work? Do we know where they're at with their faith? Do we know if they know Jesus? It could be that they don't want anything to do with it. It could be that they're just waiting for someone to invite them to church 
It could be that they've got loads of questions and they're just waiting for someone to ask because they haven't got the courage to ask themselves. Are we willing to be Ananias? Are we willing to say, yes, Lord, I'll go despite the risks? Now, I, I've had a situation, again, in my, in my later youth, when I was in, uh, in sixth form, I went away to a conference called Momentum, which is uh, part of the Soul Survivor movement. It was the, the sort of student end of the, of the age range. I went away with loads of my friends, and we had a great week learning about God, singing his praises, um, great teaching. And we were on the condor on the way back. Um, I was standing outside on the top deck trying not to throw up, um, as I do on boats most of the time. And I heard from God whilst I was up there. And he said, go over and tell that lady on the other railing that I love her. And I said, nope. Despite the fact I'd just been at this conference and heard so many good things, sung God's praises, I still was too afraid to go over and do it. Now for us in our lives, we're a church family here. And if I told my friends this is what God had told me, I'm sure they'd have given me a good kick up the backside and said, no, you go and do it. And encourage me and even gone with me. So for each of us here, if we're fearful of going out into the world and declaring our faith or talking to our friends about it, ask someone to go with you. We weren't put on this world to go out on our own. We were put in this world to go out together, to support one another. That's why we meet here together. It's for support and to learn and to grow. And it's no different when we go outside of this building. Go with one another. Are we willing to go and show the blind where to go, how to find Jesus? Are we willing to draw alongside them even after they've made a choice to support them as they grow? Now, the the conversion itself comes down to God and the individual. We don't have any part in actually converting somebody. That's between God and them. But we have the great privilege and honour of being able to lead people to Jesus, to show them who Jesus is in our lives and who we believe him to be, to go out there and guide them, to go and make disciples, and then it's up to them and God. So I want to challenge us to what kind of conversion experience do we need in our lives? Maybe we don't know Jesus at all and we need to go and start looking. Make that decision to actively go and seek God. Maybe we need to kick up the backside a bit like me, to go out there and to tell people, to not mind what they think about us, and to actually go and ask the question and draw alongside them. So as we go and make disciples of all nations. Let's go pray. Lord God, we thank you so much for the amazing experience you gave to Saul and for how you used him despite who he had, despite who he had been. We pray for each of us this morning that we would have the experience we need and the courage to go out and act, to go and tell the nation of who you are and that they might truly come to know you through us. Amen.